0: Hello, hello and welcome to another episode of Putting It Together on Wednesday the 17th of June uh, Now that means, well, well I hope that means that we're entering phase 2 very soon I'm speaking about Scotland of course and the lockdown situation, the Covid-19 lockdown situation um, I mean if you are to go outside in Glasgow you wouldn't believe there is a lockdown to be honest um, And I complain about that but today the reason I realised there was a lot of traffic was because I was in it and I've heard it said, you know, you're not in traffic, you are traffic. So it's hard to, you know, I don't really have a leg to stand on about complaining about that. Um, I went out in the car today to meet up with Don Severite to go for a wee walk in the park. And yeah, I mean, it just felt like normal. But also what felt like normal was my my stress levels as soon as I got in the car. Like, unbelievable, just Going back, <laughs> it was like going back in time, or or forward in time, or whatever. It was like for some reason I felt like I was going to work, and I was just back and kind of oh, oh t- tight, you tightening know, on, trying to you know worried about people p- taking their time getting off from lights and stuff. And I realised I'm not. Where am I going? What's the rush? You know, but it's just amazing how I don't know what that is like muscle memory or something. Um, it just all came back. There I am once again sitting in the car, just like Argh! um, I don't want to be that guy. But I was a wee bit today, and then, I, and then I let it go. And then just a wee bit of, you know, deep breathing and just relax. Um, you know, because I realise often that the story we tell ourselves in our head is is then the one that becomes true. So at one point I heard myself say in my own head, oh, this is just one of those days where I feel really wound up and stressed and that's it. And then I have to catch myself and go, wait a minute, because as soon as I say that, it becomes one of those days and then that's it. It's one of those days. So I tried to change that story and um, I did breathing, a broth, as Gary McNair would say. Um, That is a you know, reasonable past tense of breathe. And uh, I did kind of change it around a wee bit because by the time I got to the park, uh, I was I was a lot less a lot less stressed. Then anyway, we had a nice walk, and uh, on my way back, I had a wee bit of time to spare, and I stopped in on Annie Grace, not in but outside, of course. Um, Annie, who I've not seen in months and months and months, so that was so nice. Um, and Annie and I were I was saying I'm c- coming home to record an interview with Pippa Murphy, and she said, "Oh, Pippa Murphy's brilliant, etc." So that brings me on to. The guest of this week, Pippa Murphy, sound designer, composer and all-round good egg. It's so cool to talk to Pippa. You know, I actually asked her to be on the show before the show even really existed. Around the time when I recorded the first 10 episodes as a batch. Um, And I didn't release any of those until all 10 were done. And at that point, before the show really had a a name or or a brand or anything, I was working in the same building as Pippa. And I remember asking her, sort of, sort of vaguely saying, I'm doing this thing. I think it's a podcast. Uh, would you be on it? And um, of course she said yes, but it's taken me two and a half years to make it happen. And it finally has. And I'm so delighted about it. So I've been walking um, in the absence of, of the bike. The bike is still under repair and I'm hoping any day now I'm going to get it back. The back wheel, I can't remember what I've told you about it, but the front wheel needed kind of rebuilt and now the back wheel went and it's getting old the bike but it's it has lasted extremely well so I don't have any complaints but um I was getting quite into the cycling and then I've had to take a a week or so off it so I'm very much looking forward to getting back to it um what else have I got to tell you I've got to tell you that the the collaboration with National Theatre of Scotland um is still happening so that you know um it's it's still we're still having that partnership. Um, but because obviously because of the, the way things are at the moment, it's been trickier than ever to try and organise that. And um things have changed a lot within the National Theatre of Scotland as well. So, you know. We're still gonna be doing that. I think we did we did Two episodes already and we had planned to do a whole year of them, which we still will. So I'm in talks with them at the moment um, to make a decision on who the guests are going to be for the next few. And it is an exciting roster of talent. And let me tell you, people that, um, you know, otherwise it would be difficult for me to get in touch with or whatever. Um, It's amazing. Having Having the power of National Theatre of Scotland behind me, I'm able to access, you know, a different different sort of tier of of guests so that's cool. Um, So I just wanted to let you know that that's still happening so don't be worrying I've not forgotten about you it's still going on and other than that we've got some great guests coming up you know. I've been just trying to you know get people who've got home studio setups in order that we can get a high quality um, recording and I should let you know that today's episode whilst every care has been taken there may still be a few sound fluctuations. I've had A few technical problems this afternoon. Um, Some weird little um, things crossing over the signal. And um, you're also dealing with someone else's setup. So I was talking to Pippa and I'm trying to kind of make her settings echo the ones that I like here. And yeah, it's just been, you know, it's been a bit tricky. But what I have discovered, uh, I'm now getting to know the types of setups that are sufficient, if you like, uh, to create a, an acceptable sound quality. So, I did a, an interview for some in the next couple of weeks, so I won't tell you who, um, who had a, a less fancy setup than I thought. And actually, I ended up being pleased with the sound, which means that that kind of opens the field a wee bit more um, to who we'll be able to have on the show. So, that's good. Uh, I've, I've got a second studio now. <laughs> I've set up two studios in my house. One's in the living room, which is now for accordion practice. So it means that I can have backing tracks in my ears and the accordion mic'd in front of me. So I have a mic there and on the laptop. It's a whole thing. But it means it makes my practice game much stronger because I can play along to some pre-recorded bits um, and I can make the mix really clear in my ear. So I'm enjoying that. I don't know if that makes any sense to any of you. Um... Meanwhile, my father, Seamus O'Sullivan, is doing a show on Radio GH, um, an Irish music show. So he's got some of the kit up at his studio. Um, so we're both at it, I suppose. And uh, he sent me the demo for his first uh, his first trial show. You know what the first thing he said was? Hello, hello, hello. He did three hellos. I was like, come on, dude. I do two. I mean, you can't... Not only <laughs> Not only stealing my thing, but also adding an extra hello as if to give, you know more value for money I says no 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 you can't do that my mum spotted it right away as well she says no you've just stolen Brian's thing having said that his show is really fantastic it's on Wednesday evenings at 6 o'clock you go to Radio GH I think it's Radio but don't quote me on that um, but you'll get it with a quick search Radio GH and it does get repeated at different times throughout the week it's a, a touch of Irish so it's Irish music and then you know chat from Seamus it's great fun um, so I'm happy to give that a wee plug what else have I got to tell you I, you know it's not, this is the thing there's not much um, I've been reading I've been watching as many live not live but recorded as live plays as I could get my hands on uh, you know NT live things when they put them up on YouTube and things like that just to have that sense of being maybe not in a theatre but kind of in that that general headspace um, it does make it more bearable this time but also reading just and you know that I've noticed the difference in my mind when I put junk in there as opposed to good stuff and it's the same to be honest it's the same with diet but I notice it I actually notice it more with sort of what would you call it cultural diet um whilst it's fun to watch kind of the odd reality tv thing that I might get hooked on um I don't come out of it feeling good whereas it can be more of a challenge to start watching something um, a bit of of a higher quality, something a bit deeper, but once you're in it it's very rewarding and afterwards you feel the better for it that's what I've discovered, so you know, sometimes I have to give myself that push to get started, but once I do get into it, like watching a a play broadcast or, you know, a a good film uh, you know, I just feel better for it, so I'm trying to kind of keep my mind active in that way as well um, not just educating myself which i have been doing about you know things that are happening in the world right now black lives matter you know important stuff um also trying to not just put, put rubbish in there just cuz you can just sit in front of the telly can't you and say oh, sack it off i'll just I'll just sit here and watch this crap which i still do don't get me wrong um but to try and yeah put some decent stuff in there is important too now i'm pleased to tell you that the donations for the show have shot up quite dramatically Um, and I'm so grateful to you for that if you're one of those people that's given some money to the show thank you so much we're trying now to to make this to be part of uh, my income and uh, you know in the current climate it seems all the more important that we as artists kind of diversify and um, try and make sure we're going to be we're going to be looked after so those people who have given money to the show you're you're part of that and if you haven't done that already and you've got a couple of quid to spare maybe your income's protected maybe you've not lost any of your income through through the current circumstances who knows um if you think the show's worthwhile and you'd like to donate a small amount to it or a large amount indeed then please do go to putting it that's the show's main website and you click the yellow donate button on the front page and it takes you to paypal where everything's explained for you uh, some people do regular monthly donations which you can think of as the equivalent of buying me a coffee some people do larger amounts um, and sometimes it's one-off sometimes regular whatever um, so yeah it would be really appreciated if you can afford to um, then please do and if you can't please don't worry the show remains free for everybody and uh, I hope that you continue to enjoy it while I'm talking about that actually I should remind you that we've over 130 episodes in the archive so if there's a uh, someone that you think you'd like to hear on the show there's a good chance they've already been on and if not let me know you can email me brian at putting it i'd love to hear from you about anything you can catch me on the social media and stuff i'll give you the details of the social media at the end of the show but if you're not already following please look us up so yes 130 some episodes in the archive and um yeah, they're in no particular order, although you probably might get confused about what I'm doing at any given time if you listen to them out of order, because one minute I've, I've had a great idea for a play and the next minute the play's either been scrapped or it's been on or whatever. Uh, largely, it's been scrapped. But anyway, you can listen in any order you like and uh, it's great if you can have a wee dig back into the archives. I hope you can enjoy, especially at this time, because we're all looking for ways to fill the extra hours, I think, or to take our minds perhaps off you know current affairs it might be nice to get lost in a world um you know for me having these conversations is sometimes it kind of takes me back to my happiest times of being in theatres doing being in the middle of it doing the work um it's almost a it's a reminiscence isn't it um and that can be so warming um and nurturing i think so perhaps if you're looking for some of that that's what you've got to do so, I suppose that's enough for me. It's about time I brought you my guest of the week. It's Peppa Murphy. And she's with me, and we are putting it together. He's really spraying weed killer now. <laughs> we'll keep going, it's fine. <laughs> are you sure? Yeah, I'm glad he's spraying weed killer. It's not automated, it's just to be squishy. Like one of the Ghostbusters, you know. Oh, they they were probably automated, I'm sure. You couldn't ghost with just a hand pump, could you?
1: No, I don't think so. I think it would take a little bit more than that.
0: So yeah, these are the kind of things we talk about, Pippa. <laughs> I didn't warn you.
1: Is that right? Yeah, it's just this
0: kind of carry-on for an hour. Great. <laughs> <laughs> so you're in your own wee studio. I am indeed. But it's not in your house, so I'm fascinated by this. Tell us about it.
1: Well, I am very lucky. I've got a beautiful small studio which is not like a recording studio but uh, a space um, with my gear in and I am looking out over a field of poppies and I can see the hills the lamamia hills from here and um, yeah really really lucky it's my little sanctuary away from the busyness that the home life is.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Poppies, does that mean you could make heroin if you were so inclined?
1: Well, they're not the right type, I've checked. Don't oh, worry, Oh, is it Brian. a different
0: type of poppies?
1: Right. Different type of poppies. I
0: don't think you'd be living a very quiet life out there if they were the right type, would you? No, I think
1: it'd be there'd, really There'd be all really sorts busy. of folk out there. <laughs> <laughs> it'd be all happening. <laughs> That's
0: nice to be able to see poppies. Are they year-round or do they, do they die off in the winter?
1: Oh, no, they're just out at the moment. Um, in fact... They
0: just come out at certain time.
1: Yeah, they they they're just out for maybe a couple of weeks. Um oh. I hadn't been to my studio for a few weeks during lockdown and uh I kind of it's like sometimes it feels like um making yourself go for a run. You just sort of yeah. write, Okay, I'm gonna go in today and I'm gonna sit and I'm gonna try. Um and I came here and the poppies were there and I was like, Oh, that's brilliant. <laughs> And I hadn't seen them in their full glory at the moment. So it was a really nice welcome back to my space. Yeah.
0: That's nice. That thing about sitting there and trying, I mean, do you you just sometimes go there and just say, even if nothing happens, I'll just wait, I'll just set it out?
1: Well, I think in the early days of lockdown, um, I came in a couple of times, probably just to actually get away from the kids um <laughs> <laughs> and I promised myself that I didn't have to come up with anything I just could go here and just uh listen or watch or do whatever um yeah and and I came out a couple of times and I really enjoyed it and yeah because it's funny when you're in a cocoon of you know living in lockdown it's it's quite hard to kind of pull yourself out um sometimes so that was good and the poppies help me. Oh, the
0: poppies. Yeah. Well, at the minute, I've got the uh, the gardeners. He's come out again with the, the power tools now. Has he really? <sighs> yeah, but he's they're nearly done. It's fine. Oh, I don't care anymore. <laughs> um, yeah, I see, my studio's in my house, so I kind of, I don't have that. I shouldn't complain, because I've got an entire room dedicated to it that nobody else bothers with. I mean, I live on my own, but it's so, I don't have any real desire to come into this room. I'm like, nah, nah, I won't do that hmm Although since I found Spitfire Audio, I must tell you, as was I was in here for hours last night playing around with the soft piano lab.
1: Oh, it is beautiful. That is actually yeah, it's it's a really good piano. I have to say for free, it's it's great. It's a, it's a good starter. Yeah. Um, it's I've gorgeous. It, yeah, I've used it a couple of times on different things, but actually if you play with a an external sort of EQ on top of it you can Mm -hmm. bring out some some of the sort of clunkiness and quirkiness as well. It's fun. It's good. It's
0: beautiful. I noticed a thing where if you hit two keys at the same time up the top of the keyboard, you get a little detuning, like a little... as if two of the hammers are hitting together by mistake. Yeah. Do you know what I mean?
1: I think there's quite a few little quirks like that um, because I don't know technically how it works, but obviously each each note is is recorded you know sampled and so Mm -hmm. you get you get a lot of that sort of you know yeah the frequencies bumping into each other and yeah it's fun it's It's great
0: it's almost like they've got an old piano and given it in its entirety with all the idiosyncrasies and even little things that are wrong with it
1: exactly exactly you get that
0: as well which is pretty cool yeah um There'll be some people that don't have a Scooby Doo what we're talking about, right? That's <laughs> all got right. chat alert. I know. These are the things I get excited about. I mean, that kept me in the studio for longer than any writing project has. I was just like, oh, cool. I'll just play around with weird. i got that string quartet thing with all the the kind of unusual, kind of dark strings and the scary and the tension and all that. I don't know uh-huh. if you played with that one in uh-huh. lab. I was just hours messing about with it. No,
1: they're good. They're so, do you,
0: you spend quite a lot of time with a like working with software don't you in terms of your work
1: i do i do i mean i think um sort of as a jobbing composer with lots of different briefs and different genres and different people and film and dance and music and theater Mm. i actually rely quite heavily on my sort of range of sounds within my computer so that i can mock things up and capture the essence of what it is that I'm trying to sort of sort of portray um yeah. and you know if budget allows then I'll record real instruments on top but often um it's actually you can capture quite a lot with these sophisticated kind of um plugins and software instruments it's it's brilliant yeah
0: yeah and then occasionally if you have a real instrument in there it kind of it can bring it up the the whole sort of production value I think
1: yeah no absolutely and it it really it it kind of shapes how you compose for different projects as well. So if you start with something with a piano, you probably come out with a completely different riff or pattern or feeling than, mm. you know, if you plug straight into a sort of guitar sound um, or a synth sound. Um, you, yeah, you that's know, true. You come out with actually different material, which is good. It's nice. It's nice to be able to approach approach composition in in many different ways without actually having to be able to play the Sir rod or the uh, you know guitar or you know whatever it is
0: yeah because for years everything i did was started with piano and then it all kind of sounded like that or had this similar palette you know hmm. and actually now you can kind of start from different places like you say
1: and starting with sound and and sort of resonance is a big part of what I do as well so sort of making drones or making making yeah resonances basically out of out of you know real sounds or you take a recording of something and and process it um and slow it down speed it up re- you know reverse it and and again you have this kind of palette to play with so when I start I always yeah. think about what palette um, I'm I'm playing with before I actually get down to the nitty gritty of sort of, you know, what's the riff what's the tune, what Kiwi and what you know, what are we doing there, so yeah.
0: Yeah, it's like the opposite direction for me because I just think, I go chords first and it's always mm-hmm. if if I'm trying to do something more subtle then it's just too much it's always too much if you put three or four chords together, it's just like, whoa, seems like a lot, you know, for a, a trying to create an atmosphere or something terrible yeah, for depends what you
1: doing I mean, there's some brilliant songs that are just three chords, you know the whole there's a yeah. yeah massive massive repertoire of things um and then obviously your lyrics become kind of important, but I suppose I don't really write lots of lyrics, and most of my music's without words, or it has words mm-hmm. as part of it um yeah, it's just just different ways of approaching it but yeah. I like to think about colour and textures rather than chords and melodies and, and, and rhythmic patterns, but yeah, yeah.
0: yeah. So take us back a wee bit then, where did that all start for you? Did you, you play music as a child then?
1: I did, I did. I was um, surrounded by music as, as I was a child. Um, my grandfather was a choir master at one of the cathedrals in Birmingham. And mm. my uncle is um, actually Harry Christopher's and he has a choir, so I was brought up surrounded by listening to his latest sort of albums um wow yeah which was which was great and then I suppose I started learning the violin and the piano and percussion and from then on I went through the sort of classical tradition of playing with orchestras I did A-level music I had a really brilliant sort of music teacher at school who who was great at inspiring me and my contemporaries and my brothers and sisters and then i went on to study music at birmingham university um right yeah and then i ended up doing a phd in composition i loved it so much <laughs> but, um, did you really i did i did so i'm a doctor, doctor pippa, of i didn't know that yeah i am dr pippa murphy indeed
0: good yeah. gracious i know
1: good and gracious.
0: me telling you about my chord sequences and yeah. dr murphy i apologize no. profusely <laughs> <laughs> so all. what does that involve then i mean phd i don't really understand phds anyway but how would you do a phd in composition
1: well at birmingham at the time i think it might have changed a bit but basically i had to write a portfolio of compositions which was right. like a total dream so yeah i just spent a lot of time studying music listening to music writing music um i mm. worked a lot with sound so I did um instrumental composition as well as um I did quite a lot of um acousmatic or music concrete composition mm-hmm. as well so that was where my love of sound and sound design came in um was working in the studios at, at Birmingham and then I moved up to Scotland and yes. my first job was Writing the music for Delia Derbyshire, The Standing Wave, back in 2001, I think. So, yeah. The
0: Standing Wave, what was that?
1: It was a play about Delia Derbyshire, um, right? who was the BBC music pioneer behind the sounds of Doctor Who theme tune, and she did lots of other <sighs> things. Lots of oh, other, cool. other pieces. But she never properly got credited because she didn't write the tune, she did the arranging and she did, you know, lots of mm. her own compositions, but she was brilliant, really quirky. And the play was about her and her life and yeah, I got to write some blinky plunky bleepy <laughs> sonics.
0: As stuff, you do? Which is fun. Where was that on it?
1: It was on it the Tron.
0: So that was your first job when you came to Scotland?
1: That was my first job. I was still doing my PhD. Um, I'd had enough of Birmingham (laughs) yeah. and my sister was studying at at Edinburgh University at the time so I just moved up here um, on a whim and here I am what 20 years later.
0: (laughs) Yeah so did you have a did you have a sense that that's what you wanted to do after the PhD or you know in terms of theatre or things like that?
1: Um, No I hadn't actually considered theatre at all although actually one of my composition teachers at Birmingham had worked at the National Theatre in London and had worked with Burt Whistle and some of the early sort of pioneers of the National Theatre in London, mm. so yeah um but i never I never kind of carved that out as a career as it were
0: so you weren't involved with a student drama or anything like that when you were at Birmingham?
1: No no, it wasn't <laughs> at all no. <laughs> <laughs> definitely no. No, very definitely Does that no. mean
0: that you never have been a, an on-stage type? I mean, you played with orchestras, of course.
1: Well, that's a good question, actually, because I did quite a lot of stage stuff when I was much younger. So I did pantomimes and um, gang shows. Um, oh, wonderful. <laughs> I was quite young. I learned a lot of songs. Um, but yeah, it wasn't my bag. Right. But I've never really been a performer performer um i'm not one for having loads of focus on me so even now i have to like make myself do stuff
0: (laughs) i think when we first worked together you said to me so i i'm the musical director but could you do the warm-ups and things with the people because i don't want to really do that
1: (laughs) i think that was because i didn't want to have to come in every day and do that
0: i oh, know we get the truth yeah of course
1: um no it's more that I mean actually t- interestingly enough i've done you know i do quite a lot of workshops and I've worked with kids and i've done a lot of stuff like and high energy stuff and you know mm-hmm. teaching and and i'm actually fine standing up in front of something it's just something about performing music i think maybe all my years in a classical orchestra sort of took my confidence away or something, I'm not quite sure. Still still working through that kind of thing. Oh wow, really? Yeah. So we'll
0: work through it here, don't worry. Welcome. Um <laughs> So the the orchestra setting then I can only imagine is is quite sort of tight and I don't know, robust and you know, you've got to get it right.
1: Yeah. I mean it's very difficult to describe. Um, Because I never became a professional player. So I think it's completely different in professional environments. I mean, we're talking about, you know, youth orchestras and and what have Mm -hmm. you. So, yeah, it was very much like, you know, kids. Um, But, yeah, I felt at the time there was lots of judgmental behaviour and a bit, you know, I don't know. Yeah. It's not like jamming. Like now, just in recent years, actually, I've started playing piano much more. And I love it. And I love it. You hiring. play piano at home yeah, with the yeah. kids and stuff? Yeah. And I play with other people oh. as well. And I do love it. It's great. And I'm learning, you know, to play again and to enjoy it, which is great.
0: Yeah. There is something about playing, I think, with other people as well that we just, we maybe took for granted before this lockdown. Mm-hmm. Or I did. Because, like, I would just love to sit and play music in the same room as somebody right now. Oh. Any old music would do. Absolutely.
1: No, I'm. Um, I'm really with you on that one, um I feel really lucky actually that my kids play now, so I have been yeah. jamming with my son who plays the kit, and you know oh, my that's other so son cool. He plays fiddle and I, I actually I was thinking about you recently because I, I I borrowed an accordion from a a good friend of mine, and uh I've been tickling around on that as well, so that was fun oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah
0: what have you been playing uh,
1: uh French. Like chanson, oh, really? kind of yeah, yeah, like um, Musetti kind of yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. I thought the accordion has that amazing kind of. It seems to cross so many different musical landscapes. Like mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. people think of an accordion as usually one thing, and then you when you actually think about all the different places you hear it. I mean, Eastern Europe, you know, and then as you say, Absolutely. France and Italy, and mm-hmm. but it started out in China, I think. We we'll won't right? whole accordion thing, but wow, they've had enough of that. Yeah. Um, that's cool to jam with the kids though I have had played a wee bit of music uh, My dad's been playing music out on the driveway You know for the um, Whenever they were clapping for the carers and stuff He was oh, nice. out doing tunes And then he was in the paper He was very happy with himself So I started doing it as well But I was still on my own Like standing out in front of the neighbours Playing the accordion <laughs> But it was better than nothing Still a gig's a gig it.
1: A <laughs> well, gig's a gig, I know, it's funny <laughs> thinking about gigs in back gardens of people who are still shielding and will be shielding for a while you know, it's be a nice thing yeah. to do I think yeah.
0: To bring music to people for sure, yeah Yeah,
1: yeah
0: So That's you did like... that, that thing at the Tron and did that do, can you remember what it felt like to be in that environment, was there a kind of a oh, this is something I really want to be involved in or did it, was it just another gig?
1: Well it It was brilliant. It was a massive learning curve and actually funnily enough looking back on it okay so I had this vision because when I worked in Birmingham we used to do gigs with lots of loudspeakers all around the room and you know instrumentalists mic'd up and you would move the sound around the space and it was kind of called Mm. sound theatre and I, I got to the Tron and I said I'd be really amazing if we could have all the scenes that were involved you know with Delia sort of composing on her reel to reel if we could have that sort of just coming out of the studio speakers that were on the stage and then as the sort of drama unfolded that we could make you know it come into the house system and Mm -hmm. the only way we could do that it was pre lab days um was that I had to put all my cues onto a DVD player, because that was the only way that you could output, um, you know, more than a stereo channel, if you see right. what I mean. <laughs> But the problem with that is wow. when you press play or go on the specific thing, um, you had to preempt it by... <laughs> Like half a second because <laughs> <laughs> it was oh, a massive no. delay, but it worked really well. But it did mean that every time oh was it a mini disc? Sorry, it was it was either a DVD or a mini disc. I can't remember. I think it was a DVD. Mm-hmm. But it meant that every time I needed to change anything in rehearsal, I had to burn the whole thing again or change the whole oh, track. My so. <laughs> anyway, it was fun.
0: So what was that the kind of thing that happened before like QLab and stuff?
1: I think a lot of things were in stereo before QLab for sure. Um I think. A lot of things, yeah, I mean I don't know because that was my entrance into that world so yeah. I really don't have any reference points beforehand but.
0: Because it's an amazing bit of software really when you think about what you can do in QLab. I, I'm always amazed by it.
1: It is incredible, yeah. But yeah.
0: I find it frustrating because it's one of those, like it's not really intuitive. It asks you to tell it, you have to tell it everything otherwise it just goes oh you didn't tell me to do that so I didn't do it. Do you know what I mean?
1: Yeah, yeah. It is incredible though, it's like anything, it's a tool that once you get to know you can really do some fun stuff and it really makes yeah. sense, you know, with live, you know, you can just press go and something happens and then press go again and yeah, something else Yeah, 14 happens. things <laughs> happen,
0: it's unbelievable. Yeah,
1: no, it's brilliant, yeah. yeah. So what
0: happened after your, your uh, first gig at the Tron then? Were you um you know into the world of it and met all the people or did you kind of go and do other things after that
1: well that's a really good question i'm actually really struggling to remember what happened but <laughs> i think um i've always been not just a theater composer i've always sort of sat in lots of different worlds um and i've chosen to do that and i love that about my work so although i do work in theater i don't. That's not my. That's not my only sort of place. Mm, so, yeah. you know, I've written thing. I've written an opera for Scottish Opera, which was quite mental. Oh yeah. Yeah, wow. and um, that was fun. And um, I've written music for dancers, and I've done art installations. So, I've done lots of different things. So the theatre is just a sort of part of of what I do, um, mm-hmm. and I love it. And it keeps me fresh Um, and I enjoy working in theatre but I would not do it all the time partly because actually I don't know how you actors do it, that rehearsing all the time and (laughs) the tech rehearsals and doing that back to back would be really tricky, yeah
0: Yeah that's true, I mean a lot of the sort of uh, people from the technical side of things that I've spoken to say that Really, their life is always tech, you know? mm mm-hmm. you, you, Someone like yourself would be a bit more involved in rehearsal as it goes along, but, mm-hmm. you know, for a lighting designer, anytime they're in the theatre or working, they're in a tech situation, so, like I was talking to uh, Grant Anderson, who's a lighting designer, and he says, you know, people bring me sweets and say, oh, it's, it's tech, we have got to get through it. And he's like, yeah, but I'm always in the tech. <laughs> I can't just live on drumstick squashes and coffee, you know, <laughs> my entire life.
1: You can live on coffee.
0: oh you definitely do I know that about you
1: (laughs) yeah but I'm glad I I I kind of only do three three or four shows a year and that's enough for me Um, right yeah and partly because I live in the sticks as well so it's difficult to you know be in the city all the time I choose to be out of the city so
0: yeah and is that the is that like a really conscious choice where you don't want to be in the city that's your kind of
1: that's your vibe (laughs) yeah I mean yeah. I spent quite a bit of time living in the Highlands and I loved it. All right. But it was quite hard to work from there. So I did yeah. I actually did a, a couple of shows at the Travis with um uh Philip Howard uh, from mm-hmm. Olapol. Oh, I lived in Ullapool for a bit and um again it was pre pre pre-internet days and um I had to drive down to like deliver the score and things so
0: yeah, oh my word! Bit That's frustrating. <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. <laughs> but um, but fine.
0: pool, they, they have that place there, don't they? What's it called? The Cayley Place. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: Did you t- get involved in that and do gigs and stuff?
1: I didn't. I was ju- I was actually only in Alapool for about six months, and before that, I was right. in um, well, just outside of Aviemore for about four years. So
0: yeah. Oh, there's some nice places though.
1: Gorgeous, really, really nice, and very inspirational place to write music as well
0: yeah Mm, that's true yeah yeah so for anybody who maybe doesn't know what i'd love for you to do is explain to me what a sound designer does in theater because i know you do a fair bit of that i know you compose as well but for for a moment isolate the job of sound designer and and, and tell me about it
1: (laughs) that's really difficult to separate out composing and sound designing because i generally do the both together um yeah doing sound design if you're just specifically asked to do sound design sometimes that means that there's already tracks or they're using like pj harvey tracks or they're using um someone else's music and yeah. then it becomes your job to sort of find a way f- between the acting and that music um some people think or ask you sound designing wise if there's a lot of C sounds or there's sound effects in the show then yeah. they'll ask you to kind of be a little bit more creative about that but I have to say sound effects is a completely different part of it and it's um that's just about kind of gathering things that you can it in whilst the dialogue's going, or what have you, and yeah. sound design is really more about making resonances and and, and sort of underscoring or commenting or anti-scoring um, sort of what's happening dramatically. So it's adding resonance to sound basically, and getting right. from A to B because often in theatre or in 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 plays. You want to take your audience on a journey and sound design can be really critical to 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 help the audience on the way or to subvert the audience or to, you know, mm. create tension. There's many, many different roles that sound design has and lots of different choices of how you do it.
0: Wow. Because I often think of it also, I mean, that's a beautiful answer. I also think of the, the element of deciding where in the room certain sound comes from. Um, Because I've seen sound designers kind of work on that stuff which I really struggle to understand but I always think it's amazing. Uh, Is that a big part of it?
1: It can overemphasise what's actually happening and sometimes you can use it to the effect of making your audience feel a bit sick. If you're throwing sound around the space really quickly and it, it, you know, you can, you can make an audience feel uneasy or you can, um, you know, really add tension by moving sound around. Um, Mm -hmm. I, I think sometimes it can be overdone. um, And yeah sometimes it's it's quite a tricky thing because obviously when you're um in the theatre, not everyone's got the hot seat, which my hot seat would be the middle of the middle, so that you you know you're surrounded by the speakers and and you get a good picture as it were, a sonic picture of course yeah, um yeah. but if you're at the back and you've got the right rear speaker quite close to you, it's really irritating to hear sort of you know the sound of the sea coming from behind you when actually, you know, all the actions in front of you. So, yeah, it's quite a tricky one. So I know lots of different sound designers um, approach it in in different ways. Um, Mm. And someone once said to me, always sit in the sweet seat when you're watching your preview, you know. (laughs) Make you feel good. Because that's where you kind of program it from. Um, But I always make sure that I would walk around the auditorium and make sure that if you actually sit at the front or at the back or at the side, then you're not dominated by the sound as well. I think it's a really important part of it.
0: Mm. And then how easy or difficult is it to separate the job of composer and sound designer? And, it may, you know, is it is it better to do the two together in your experience or?
1: In my experience, that's kind of what I like to do. Um mm-hmm. But if there's already pre-existing music, then obviously, hopefully it's good music and then you work with that music, you work with, Mm -hmm. you know, with that person. Um, But sometimes, you know, even making a drone or a repeated pattern on top of that, you know, a lot of sound designers who don't call themselves composers do that anyway. So there is a bit of a thin line between what is a composer and what is a sound designer. And, um, yeah, but I suppose... Music can be a big part of, of plays as well. Um, but it really relies on the sound design to, to to work with that too.
0: Yeah, I mean, there's nothing worse than going to see a play that clearly hasn't had someone doing that work and, you know, it's someone's job at the back just to press play on a track. And it's yeah. just, it's sort of garish, isn't it?
1: Yeah, I think sometimes a track is a track and you listen to it and usually it's got lyrics and you get the feeling, but in terms of dramatic tension or how you get from the end of that track into the next scene which could be a completely different feel yeah it's i think a lot of theater composition and sound design the success of it is is in the transition
0: Mm, yes yeah i think watching you work is kind of it becomes apparent that really it's about there seems to be very little problem with coming up with material and you're your more fine-tuning work is like, ah, oh, but when does that come in and when does it come out? And how much of it, you know, and where from? And those mm-hmm. are the decisions. Like, you don't have any problem. You, you're very good with a, a riff or a, a lick or something. Easy. It seems, that's how it seems to me from the outside. <laughs> but then it's about it's about placing it, isn't it?
1: It is about placing it. And level is so incredibly important um, yeah. because what can be you know, something that really sits at the at the the edges of your perception can be incredibly powerful, much more powerful than you know a drone that sits and goes under someone speaking. So, yeah, it's <laughs> yeah all about yeah, yeah. that and increasing levels and playing with 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 that. Yeah, it's just it's another dimension.
0: Yeah, and how much of it is in terms of composition? Do you find yourself having to strip things back, or do you find more that you have to? Push yourself to add. Do you know what I mean? Because for me, if I'm ever doing a job where I'm composing and it's not really at the centre, you know, not a musical, then I find I'm always having to go write less, less, less. Are you doing that or is it the opposite for you?
1: That's a very good question. I now, when I'm probably composing with theatre, I think about layers and I, as part of my developing my palette, would probably have many different layers and thoughts and yes when I get into the space I would probably strip away or really look at how I architect that Mm -hmm. (laughs) so that's like you say when does one come in and the next thing come in and how layered do you get before you then drop out onto one layer and all those decisions and they're very hard to make until you're actually in the space with the with the design and the lights and and the costume and the, everything's kind of got its own pace suddenly um yes of so course yeah. a lot of my job is preparing for being able to be very flexible, and working with layers and palette really helps that
0: so you would have those layers kind of to hand but not quite decided exactly in terms of how many's there or how many's getting stripped away or whatever
1: yeah, which is completely yeah, different to when you're cutting to film. And you've got the film in front of you and, you know, you can make all those decisions and then tweak them and then really, you know, fine tune them and try different things out. Um whereas mm. at theatre it's a lot of it's about being really well prepared before before the things start changing. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Well you very neatly brought us onto scenes for survival there because I was going to ask you, did you you've you've done composition for a new scenes for survival? That's coming out next week, I believe. Um, oh,
1: it actually—I got the date wrong. It actually got launched last night, Brian. Hey, it's out now. Fantastic. It is out now. Yes.
0: Okay, cool. It's—I can't remember the name of it.
1: It's uh, called Joseph Knight. Um, it's called Joseph Knight after the after the central character. After the central character, um, but it—it's an extract from a play that was supposed to be at Pitt Lockery.
0: Oh, I didn't realise that, okay.
1: Yeah, so, and it was called Enough of Him. Um, but they, for this scene from Survival, they just decided to call it Joseph Knight. And um, yeah, I was proud. It's quite a quick process. Um, it was perfect for me because I could just pop here a little bit and didn't have to go anywhere. And um, yeah, it worked really well, actually. So I was quite pleased with it. It was good
0: it's beautiful did they send you a cut uh, an already cut film of it then
1: yeah i spoke to them before um they filmed it and mm-hmm. talked about sort of reference points of you know the feeling and um we talked about the sort of what part of the whole arc of the play this particular section came from um and talked about sort of you know yeah what kind of feel we want what what we want Mm our audience left with um and then I sketched a few things and they filmed it and then sent me very early kind of parts of it um and then I got the cut and then I worked to that yeah
0: that's fun to work to to cut I've not really done much of that I did I did one very short film once but yeah that's interesting isn't it
1: It's really, it's fun. I like working to something that's solid and doesn't move. Yeah, it's just <laughs> there in front the opposite of you, right? Of theater. But yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. Keep changing. We all keep changing. Everyone's changing. No, we're not going to do that now. We're doing this. We change the line, change music. <laughs> <laughs> so then, is it any part of your job to mix together all the elements of the audio for that film, or do you literally write the music and and give them it?
1: So I literally write the music and I did the sort of what you call SFX or FX ambience. So I did the C and made sure because I slightly treated that to sort of, again, sound design it into the resonance of the music to make sure it was sure. It sort of was slow. But um, the um, I didn't have anything to do with sort of editing the dialogue or, or cleaning that up. And then mm-hmm. I I just have to send a a kind of WAV file that is you know from zero zero time frame to the end, and then it gets mm-hmm. put together, um, for yeah with the film.
0: Wow, that's so exciting! And you're going to do more, I think.
1: I am. I've just been asked to do another one actually, so that's great. I was just um, cool. Googling <laughs> before you came Trying to, to do it, a bit it, of it. research. Okay,
0: so I take it it's quite different from the one you've just done.
1: Yeah i'm not gonna say anything because i haven't properly read it um uh but um yeah i think it's like going over into the sort of comedy sort of thing which is fun
0: and you had the old accordion out for for the recent one so it's a good thing you've been practicing yeah (laughs) (laughs) not very french though
1: no not very french and it wasn't me playing on um i got my friend kenny Hutchison to play on the um on the scenes for survival, the Joseph Knight one. Oh, right. And, um, yeah. oh,
0: I thought you would do it.
1: No, no, I'm not that good. <laughs> no, I'm just, you know, taking it up for lockdown project. You know, it's like first sourdough bread not working quite or, you know, you kill it after right. 10 days or something. <laughs> <know>.
0: <laughs> the accordion will get smashed up eventually. Yeah, something like that. Okay. I remember us trying to record accordion tracks on the front of the stage of the Lyceum. Oh, and that's right. It's just, it's funny because I... As soon as that record button hits, something happens, doesn't it, in your brain and your heart? As soon as you know that it's recorded, it just changes everything.
1: It does. I seem to remember you swore a lot.
0: Did I? Oh God! And then I, the the trouble is, you you can once you've done the hit it, you get to leave. I had to listen to that track every day, twice a day, and I was always like, "Fuck that bit!
1: Up. <laughs> I was never happy with it." I did say to you though, didn't I, after we recorded it, I was like, are you sure you're happy because you're going to be listening to it, not me? Oh, God. <laughs> but, but then um, we
0: wanted it to s- seem live so that Ewan could pretend he was playing it. So I it suppose in that sense, it was all deliberate. I made it sound a bit crap so that it, it was would seem great. live.
1: great. It, was brilliant. it <laughs> was brilliant. What was
0: it my dad said? Do you remember my dad being on the phone on speaker yeah. when we were sitting in the green room? Don't forget the two. That's what it was. I was
1: going to say, don't forget the two. There was
0: yeah. a two major chord that he was desperate that I got into that tune.
1: Yeah, yeah. He went to play four or...
0: <laughs> or a two minor. That'd be <laughs> sacrilege. <laughs> I remember when he came to see it and I thought, I hope he hears that too, because it, was, it wasn't really that loud in the mix. <laughs> We've got to get and mm. make sure he hears the two. I had to promise him afterwards. I promise I played the two.
1: We're talking about the Lyceum Christmas show and actually I was thinking about that during lockdown a little bit. Just feeling really sad about the whole choir thing that's not going to happen for a really long time i don't think you know Gosh, people yeah. singing together um big groups of yeah. mm, but particularly singing i think yeah
0: they were so great as well what a joy to have a, a choir in the building all the time yeah and they uh, because they wasn't it wasn't the same choir doing every show they were sort of a you know a fresh batch of eight people every show they were hey we're doing another show and we were all kind of jaded and exhausted <laughs> But it brought that new energy into the building every time we did another show. Mm-hmm. You did? Did you work with them much?
1: Not really, no. Cause um, they had a dedicated choir uh, mistress. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Such an outdated what term, call, isn't it? It's awful. I mean, you know. Anyway, um, a choir person, leader, leader. There you go. Leader, um, that'll do it. Yeah. Yeah, um, and she was great, and she did all the rehearsing and preparing them, cause I just. Could no way I could commit to to that kind of time because I think you know they rehearsed for ages before the show. Um So yeah, it was huge she undertaking. Was yeah, yeah.
0: So are you? Uh, presumably, you're still in touch with Corrine Paul? I mean, you've done quite a lot of work with her, haven't you?
1: Oh yeah. Um. Yeah. I've seen, see her quite a lot actually, and we're very much in touch over lockdown actually, more as pals. Oh. Um. So how did you first meet with Corrine? Well, it's funny because um, <laughs> I think. uh I was put. She was put in touch with me, um, the very very early days of Wind Resistance, the play, and um, said, "Would I be interested in joining forces and talking to her about the show?" And uh, of course, I said yes. And then, um, then we went for a camping trip. I took her up with. I I thought it'd be a really good idea to go and record the. Dawn Chorus, up Fallam Moor, mm. May, I think it was like four years ago now. And um, I took all our camping equipment because I, I do quite a lot of camping and walking and what have you. And uh, we camped up the moor and then got up at four in the morning and recorded the bird song. Um, but it's quite odd because I didn't know her at the time at all. We were sharing this tent going, hmm. Are you okay <laughs> and,
0: uh, oh wow anyway, that must be odd it was
1: it was it was kind of um kind of beautiful it was an amazing night and it was really still and um yeah and from then on our kind of working relationship and our friendships really kind of blossomed and yeah we, we we're actually doing quite quite a lot together at the moment so that's great
0: so there's going to be more because wind resistance obviously had a, a fair old life and it's been around a A couple of years now Or a few years
1: Yeah And we made an album um, For the show And wrote some more music And incorporated a lot of the the work That was in the show Into an album Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah and actually it was the We were It was going to be Performed the week of lockdown So in the Lyceum So I think Oh was it? Yeah I think we were the first cancelled show
0: Oh so. man, it's a beautiful show. I saw it a couple of years back. Yes. Um, so are you, are you gonna? Do you think you'll be doing more after Wind Resistance with Kareem?
1: Oh, I'm sure we will. Yes. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Very confident on that. Okay, lovely. Uh, yeah,
1: yeah. No, it's great, I and mean, we've got to know each other really well. And um, yeah,
0: it's good when you get yeah. a wee partnership like that where you you work well together and yeah, you get a, a shorthand going and stuff. That's good.
1: Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Ah, oh, beautiful.
0: Well, yeah. um, I'm gonna let you go on hang out with the poppies
1: thank you say hello to the wee boys for me i will
0: and um that's it really isn't it it's weird i always think this is a weird bit it's like sort of being on the phone to someone but really not because lots of people are listening
1: (laughs) i know i know i know it's like Much rather. see you later see you
0: later yeah have a nice night (laughs) (laughs) yeah anyway thank you very much for talking to me pippa
1: thank you brian it's been a total pleasure
0: Marvellous stuff. Peppa Murphy there, what a joy. It's great to listen to someone talk in great detail about their craft, isn't it? That's one of the things I love about doing this show. Um, you know, you have a bit of back and forth and banter and stuff like that, but also to listen to someone talk in detail and explain exactly what it is that they're doing and, and what's particular about it and yeah. We have we gain a great appreciation I think for all all the different disciplines involved in our business. You know, just creativity in general. It's just class. So thanks very much for listening to it um, and for being part of this lovely journey. And I hope it brings some, I don't know what I would like it to bring, solace maybe, um, a bit of joy and a wee bit of enlightenment or to light up a few dark corners. I hope that it's of some use or of some help to somebody. Thanks very much for being part of it, really. Um, now, if you're not already following us on social media, well, the question is, why? Um, you just have to go to Instagram or Twitter and look for Pod. It's very simple, and that way you can see the new episodes as they come out and occasional little backstage treats as well um, and the Facebook pages is under Putting It Together, you just search for Putting It Together on Facebook and a gentle reminder that you can donate to the show in any amount, small or large, regular or one-off by going to puttingittogethercast.com and looking for the yellow donate button and going through PayPal, dead simple and very very much appreciated thanks so much for listening, so until next week when I bring you a new guest at the same time in the same place, cheerio now!